Welcome to Convos from the Couch from Lifestance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lianza. And on today's episode, we'll be welcoming back Dr. Tiffany Truesdale, a psychologist, one of our LifeStance Massachusetts offices, who will be talking about the really important topic of Black men and suicide. So welcome back, Tiffany. Great to have you back on. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for having me again. I mean, this is such an important topic because we're seeing rates of suicide among Black men just really explode. So I know in a little bit, we'll talk more about some of the statistics and the facts behind that. So I know you're on before and you told us a little bit about yourself then, but let's jump back in and have you uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Um, so my name is Tiffany Truesdale. I'm originally from upstate New York, but I've been in um, Massachusetts for a while. Um, I came down in, let's see, 2009 um, after undergrad. Um, I went to St. John's University, uh, studied psychology there then came down to Springfield, Massachusetts at Springfield College, uh, got my master's there, and then continued um, getting my doctorate there in counseling psychology, where I got my PsyD. Um, and then in completion of that, I did my dissertation actually on Black men and suicide. So uh, my dissertation is Telling Our Stories, a Qualitative Investigation into Black Men and Suicide, um, where my research was to like explore um, Black men's lived experience and their experiences and perceptions on suicide. Um, and now I'm working at uh, LifeStance as a psychologist, um, where I've been there for, I guess, uh, it'll be a year in October. Um, and I work with um, individuals and couples. So I work with people um, from kiddos, 13 years old, all the way up. Um, and I'm also a part of um, the DNI group um, in our uh, office as well. Great, great, great. And your dissertation sounds like it was absolutely fascinating. Thank you. So with that, let's jump in and talk a little bit about some of the facts and facts and statistics about Black men and suicide. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah. So historically, um, a lot of times like suicide rates wasn't really reported in the African-American community or seen as lower than a lot of the other groups um, in America. So historically, though the rates of suicide have been lower in the African-American population, um, they have been increasing like greatly. Um, and so black males have the highest increase in suicide attempts compared to other groups. Um, Nearly like 80%. Um, and I did my Whoa, research. 80%. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And it's been really, and that's even higher than when I first started doing my research, um, which I think is something that's really important to think about as well. Um, and so suicide is the third leading cause of death in African-American males from ages 15 to 24. And so the suicide rates, they peak during adolescent and young adulthood um, and then start to decline a little bit until like 85 years old and older. And then there's an incline there. Um, and so between like teenagers, 
um, African-American teenagers, they have a higher percentage of attempting suicide among um, the youth population, among male and females. Um, so even though historically the rates have been lower than other populations, it's really important to recognize that there has been an increase in the suicide rates, especially among adolescents and young adults. Um, and especially in males. So what are some of the possible reasons that we're seeing so many suicides in this community? Yeah, well, I think a really big thing is, and we're um, right now focusing more on Black men, um, is because Black men often suffer in silence um, from a young age to older. Um, and I think a really big thing is looking at the intersectionality of a Black man. Um, a lot of times that's just kind of coupled together, but I think you have to like break that down and look at, well, first, what is it to be a man? And the thoughts about what does it mean to be a man, which a lot of times is to be strong, not cry, be the protector, be the provider. Um, and then to be a black man in the society, you know, just that intersectionality in itself. Um, it's huge. And I think a lot of times um, it is complicated by like the interactive effects of like race, violence, economic deprivation, um, and just those things that are involved in that. So there are some theories that um, when I was doing my research that came up that looked at like the urban stress hypothesis, which looks at um, economic deficits that assume that black men are overburdened by racism, poverty, high unemployment rates, poor housing, um, poor parenting, inadequate education, um, and all of those things can result in suicide. Also trying to fit in into the American society or what that looks like, um, or the ideal of that and the pressures of that. So if there's all of those things that I just listed, a person's experiencing those things, that American dream is really hard to come by and to get to. Um, and then there's just those outward things that we're seeing, like we're seeing Black men getting killed by the police at exponential numbers. If you're being seen as a victim or as uh, you're being seen as a perpetrator of violence all the time and not being seen as a victim or a person who needs help or a person who are having all of these experiences, um, I mean, a lot of times it's like, all right, do people not care about me in my existence? Right. You know, right. and so holding all of those things on top of the um, just, you know, the other um, responsibilities of being a man and providing and then not necessarily feeling like you have a place to go to get help or to express these things. All of these things, you know, um, is stressful for a black man. And um, then that leads to depression and suicidality. And a lot of times it's just not talked about, nor do black men feel like they're comfortable to talk about those things um, because it's also not shown that it's okay for that to happen. Very true, very true. I mean, I think of that in the media and what that says and that role, that, that protector role to be tough, mm -hmm. just how men in general also socialize adding the layer on of, of being a black male too. So Definitely. yeah, that also plays into that. My gosh, you're making mm -hmm. a very clear case of, of kind of what we're looking at here for black men. Mm -hmm. Also a stigma to suicide and mental health within uh, the black male community. 
Yeah, unfortunately, um, just like we spoke about before, there's just like a lot of mistrust within the medical field. And again, historically, if coming from slavery, racism, discrimination, prejudice, you know, seeing all of these things, being a victim towards these things, um, it's really hard to trust the field or these people that are, you know, committing these things towards them. Um, And then just having conversations about it, again, just like the intersectionality of being a man, it's just like being able to have a space to be able to talk about these things. But unfortunately, um, that's not always provided like you know being a woman it's a lot of times encouraged to talk about our feelings and the things that we're going through and that's not always encouraged um for men and then especially for black men because they're not seen as vulnerable or emotional there's unfortunately the stereotypical image of them and so it's super hard for them to open up and to talk about these things and then there's already a stigma within the community, but even as people that we're trying to work through. Um, so destigmatizing mental health and getting that help is super important um, just for them to start to feel comfortable of like, okay, I'm not the only one who's dealing with this. There are others like me who are dealing with this to have those conversations and then to get that support. So which leads us to my next question, you know, having those conversations, trying to break the silence with, with it. Um, what else can we do to help support Black men and their mental health? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a big thing um, and what I was trying to do within my dissertation is just provide a space for them to be able to talk about their experiences. Um, I think unfortunately too much in either the media and news, it's always these depictions of all the negative things about Black men and what happens, or we only see, you know, where uh, in music or in, and other medias. And it's not always like that positive thing that they're doing. And it's also not showing how they struggle as well. And so I think that there needs to be more space that's given to Black men in order to talk about their stories. Um, and something that like we were talking about before starting the podcast, I think also, um, unfortunately, because of the lack of representation within the field, um, there needs to be that as well. Um, I'm a black woman, you know, and so again, I'm not speaking from an experience of a black man, um, but I'm just being that sounding board to be like, hey, this needs to be talked about. Um, but it's not going to be as powerful unless we actually hear it from black right. men themselves, people who have right. experienced it, and also other black men in the field um, who could help facilitate those conversations. Um, But overall, I think there's more need for research um, to talk about the gaps. There is a lot of gap in the research. Um, Thankfully, more recently, there's been more studies out there that's talking about it. But that's just because of how big the numbers have grown, like nearly 80 percent that I've mentioned before. And so it's like, well, does it take that? big of a percentage in order to start having these conversations when they needed to happen such a very long right, time. Right. And so, I mean, that, and then for there to be that change and reform in the medical field um, for providers to understand, like, these things aren't just medical. And unfortunately, um, Black men and just African-Americans and people of color in general, like that first step is usually going to the doctors. So I think a lot of times that integration with like PCPs and things like that, doing the forms, having those conversations and then helping a person 
get the therapeutic services that they need can be really helpful. Having more of the resources in their communities and not just outside of the communities is also really helpful. Um, and then again, um, us letting go of our biases, again, yeah. and those uh, stereotypical messages as well. Um, there definitely needs to just be a reform in general of just how we think about Black men and how yeah. we see them, because unfortunately, people hold on to the views that's depicted in society, and that's not the only image of a Black man. Exactly, exactly. So Tiffany, what can we do if we do have a loved one or a friend who may be contemplating suicide? Hmm. And there's a lot of more resources out there, like the um, National Suicide Prevention um, Lifeline. So that's um, 1-800-273-TALK. So that's 8255. Um, and then there's things like the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective, um, NAMI. There's a lot of organizations that are out there. Um, but I think also just as an everyday person, just being an opening ear too, you know, and just being willing to be like, hey, you know what? You're not going through this alone and actually helping a person go through the process of receiving help can be really important. I think a lot of times a person may say something and people get scared when talking about suicide, um, whether it's religious reasons, whether it's comfortability, um, a lot of times there's the myth of if I talk to somebody about suicide, it's going to make them more right. suicidal. So it's also debunking that myth. If a person brings it up, they're already thinking about yeah, it. It's already out their mind. You right. know, so really having those conversations um, and being like, you know what, let me help you through this, you know, and actually helping to walk a person through those steps. Because unfortunately, that's not always talked about or it's just like we listen to a person's story and we're not necessarily directing them to the care that they need. Let me add one other resource, brand new 988. It's the national, mm -hmm. uh, the new national suicide hotline, the quick 988. So mm -hmm. best to consider as well for another resource. Definitely. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? Yeah, I think kind of just circling back to some of the things that I've mentioned before of just like an overall need for society to recognize how the systemic racism um, is really a really has a really big impact, not just right. in the past, but still right. currently. Yeah. It impacts Black yeah. men the most, honestly, I feel like. I mean, there's a lot of things historically um, that we haven't even touched upon that is still, um, unfortunately, not providing a space for Black men to thrive the way that they deserve. So there definitely needs to be a reform just in our system in general. Um, and then in the mental health field, just changing our approach and how we provide services, um, really providing that cultural competency, yeah. cultural humility, really speaking to Black men as individuals. And again, asking like, what's going on? What's been your experience? Really trying to understand them as individuals. Um, and again, letting go of our biases and our stereotypical assumptions um, so that we are creating space to provide that help that's needed. Um, and then I think destigmatizing receiving help, um, being able to provide more resources so that the more these things are talked about, the more these resources are available, the more likely it's going to destigmatize um, people receiving help and even just having these conversations about mental health and suicide in general. Um, and, and just increasing the representation within yes. the field. Yes. Um, there's definitely a 
obviously women kind of um, dominate the field. Um, not saying that women don't need to be a part of the field, but right. it's also really important for there to be men a part yep. of the field. Representation matters. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, and I think again, above all else, it's just that respect, just as I mentioned before, just treating black men as humans and not these violent criminals because that's not all of their stories. And unfortunately that's the images that we see all the time. Um, And so I think really like debunking those things. Um, And then I'd like to uh, leave with a quote, if that's okay. Yes, I would love that. Um, Yeah. So, um, and I think this just kind of depicts a lot of how black men feel. Um, So the quote says being Black and a male is seen as trying to do the impossible on a regular basis, trying to exist in a world where you have known that you are not wanted. And that is a quote by Todd Boyd in his book, um, Am I Black Enough for You? And I think that in itself, like, how is a person supposed to live in a world where they're not wanted, where all of these images, history is continuously showing that they're not wanted, which, you know, is a reason why a person can feel suicidal. And so I think, you know, there's just so much time and energy that needs to be put forth to this effort to decrease the really high alarming rates of suicide in the Black male community. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for sharing your knowledge on this topic. And I definitely do encourage um, Black males who are considering going into the counseling field, definitely come forth. You're definitely Mm -hmm. needed. And I appreciate yeah. bringing that up too. It's very important. So mm-hmm. thank you again. It's wonderful. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.